Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Forgiveness, a God of mercy, I pray that we all come to you this morning and just love you. Amen. You may be seated. Let's watch this video. Warehouse Church. It's good to see you this morning. Hope you're having a great weekend. We're glad you're here. Congratulations, ladies, for a great, great night the other night with Sisterhood. Let's give our girls a big hand. I want to thank our lifetime friend, Dr. Melissa Tucker, for being here to speak for us on Thursday night. She did such a great job. We just love Melissa. She's really uh, uh, an, an inspiration story unto herself. We love you and thank you for being part of our family, especially this weekend. We've enjoyed your company. And you know, it's funny, uh, when we have guests come, whenever there's, um, this is going to sound very misogynistic, but just get over it. I'm old, so it's just going to happen sometimes. But um, we take people, when their wives want to go, to the silos in Waco, right? The big, it's a big chick trip. You know how that goes. And the guys are always like, oh, yeah, we would love to do that. It's not really a guy thing. So my wife said, hey, I'm going to take Melissa and Marianne, and we're just going to go. You don't have to go this time. So I did like the chicken dance. I was so happy that I didn't have to go this time uh, to that thing. But sure enough, we've probably been there 10 times since we've lived here the past seven years. And this time when they were there, Joanna Gaines was right by them. So they got to see Joanna Gaines, exchange phone numbers. I think they're coming on Easter Sunday. We'll see what happens. But uh, they, had a great, they had a great time the other day, and we have just enjoyed uh, visiting with Melissa. She's had a huge impact not only on Kim and, and my life, but also on our girls' life too. And we, we love you, and we have a life debt towards you. Um, we're kind of, I'm doing a postscript, a little PS, two messages, uh, to kind of follow up on the things that we've been talking about this month with Stronger. Uh, I wanted, I, I really was, my plan was to finish the series up last week, but I had, I just had some more that I needed to get out, right? There was a little bit more in there. I need to get it all out before we get to Easter Sunday. But um, today we're going to talk about how stronger, pe- stronger people learn how to deal with defeat. Now, last week, now we're not going to go back and review the story of Samson throughout this message, but just as a little to remind you, last week we talked about how Samson, even in the midst of his greatest failure, his greatest failure was followed by his greatest victory, right? But after his greatest victory, right, he was done, right? He, as you saw in that picture, in the picture up there, he pushed down the pillars, it all came down. He was also one of the people that died there that day. But it is said that he killed more Philistines, the enemy of God, right? This, this, this country that was against anything that had to do with God or godly values. He killed more people there that day than he did his whole life, which is great. He had this victory, but that was also the end of his story, right? Samson was done after that. He, he, he went into eternity on that day, and th- that was really the end of the story of Samson. And we read about it a little bit throughout scriptures a little bit more. 
But I want to kind of think about how, how can we learn how to deal with defeat and then move forward, right? It doesn't have to be the end of the story when, when we're going through defeat. And I don't, I don't know if I could find a better uh, example of this than to go to uh, Luke chapter 24 and talk about the story of the road to Emmaus. Now, this is interesting. Uh, three weeks, four weeks, three weeks before Easter, we're talking about a story that happens like the week after Easter. But So stay with me. I want you to follow along with me. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24 this morning, and I'm going to start reading for you in verse number 13. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke 24, verse 13. Now the sa- that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now they were walking. Do you know how long it takes to walk seven miles? That's a, that's a big walk. You know, I'm going to drive it seven miles. It takes about five minutes maybe. But walking seven miles, that's going to take you maybe half of a day, especially you have to stop and go to the bathroom if you have a bunch of your daughters with you. So they were walking seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened and what had happened. They were in the city when Jesus had that illegal trial. They were in the city when they said crucify him. They crucified the Lord Jesus. Really just from a human perspective, kind of sucking the life out of this movement, this movement of Jesus, right? They thought it was all done. So they're walking, away, they're walking away from the city, seven miles from Jerusalem, and they're talking about all these things that had happened. And as they were discussing everything that happened, can you believe that he died? Can you believe they did this? Can you believe they did that? Can you believe they did this? Can you believe? Then the Bible says that Jesus himself came up and walked among them but they were kept from recognizing him. They didn't even know it was Jesus. Remember we were talking about Samson when the Spirit of God left Samson and, and he didn't even recognize that, that God's presence and God's Spirit had left him? Well, it, it's, it's a little bit parallel here because these guys were talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He did all these things, great miracles, he created great messages. I can't believe he's not here anymore. He was our hope. Now, now, people on the earth didn't understand fully why Jesus came to this earth. They knew that there was a Messiah that was talked about. But in their minds, and Kim and I were just talking about this this morning. In their minds, they thought the Messiah was going to come and not die and save us from our sins. They thought he was going to come and overthrow Caesar and the oppressive Roman government. And they were going to, and all these Pharisees didn't accept him as Messiah because they didn't want a servant. They wanted a king. And they wanted a king not so they could be under him, they wanted to be, they wanted the kings, so they could kind of be with him and identify with him. Well, if we're the religious dudes, of course, we're going to be like in the king's court. We're going to have presence. We're going to have a place there and, and all these things. So this idea of Jesus coming and dying was absolutely the farthest thing from their mind because they refused to believe God was who he said he was. They refused to believe that Jesus was God's son. They refused to believe that he came as a servant, not as a king. And as they're walking away, they're like, oh, man, we thought the Roman government was going to go. And they just, they took, they took Jesus away from us. What are we going to do now? And Jesus is just, I mean, Jesus is standing there walking with them. Yeah, man, can you believe all that happened? It's been a rough couple days, right? You know, and he's hiding his hands so they don't see him, right? Because he was crucified, and then his, his scars were known after he rose up from the dead. So he's walking with these guys down this road, walking away from the city, walking away from where they had, they had these opportunities to be around Jesus in Jerusalem, and they were just dropping their heads in defeat. And here's a couple of things I want to share with you about dealing with defeat and how if we deal with it properly, we can become stronger. Here's the first thing. When dealing with defeat, 
don't miss the blessings of God that are all around you. Okay? Um, let's, let's really talk about that in a practical way before we get back into this story. Psalm 23, verses 4 through 6, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long, church? Forever, right? It's, isn't it really easy when you're going through a rough time to focus on the rough time? Right? Now think about this. These guys are walking down the road to Emmaus, lamenting the death of Jesus while Jesus is walking with them. Like they didn't even understand that the blessing, the presence of God was with them. They didn't understand that Jesus was alive. They were, if they're walking away from the city, what are they doing? They're kind of walking away in self-preservation. It's a dangerous place now. We got to get out of here. We were known with him. Maybe they're going to recognize us. You know, for whatever reason, they were leaving the town. They were going away from all these things that had taken place and God's presence was right there with them. Let's look in verse number 17. Jesus said to them, he asked them, Why are, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now, these people knew Jesus. They heard Jesus talk, right? So they heard his voice. And if they were in the right state of mind, they would have recognized the voice of the Son of God, okay? And they didn't even recognize his voice. Jesus said, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still in their faces, with their faces downcast. What were they doing? They were moping, right? Um, it's interesting how when we're going through things, I, I had a friend of mine go through something, and, and it, it was kind of a rough thing that they went through. And when we were talking about it, the first thing that came out of their mouth was, this is not anybody that's, that's part of this, our, our ministry. It's somebody that's on the East Coast. They were talking about, I can't believe that God let that happen to me. Very short-sighted. You know, it's God's fault. God did this to me. I've been a good guy. These other people over here are just, oh, you know, and I'm faithful. And God let this. I said, you know, the, the, your story's not done being written. And maybe God's going to use your story for his glory in some way. Right? Maybe God's allowing you to go through this. Or maybe God is going to rescue you from this. And you know what? Sometimes, too, maybe it's a self-inflicted thing. Right? We go through things sometimes we like to blame God for, but sometimes it's, sometimes it's on us. We're not where we're supposed to be. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. Did you ever find yourself in a place where you're asking God to bless you? God, will you bless me? Will you bless me? When, when you're kind of missing the first couple steps of blessing in your life, when does God bless us? When we what? When we obey him. But we're going through stuff, and it's hard, and we're going through stuff, and it's hard. Instead of taking some personal inventory and looking in the mirror, what we wind up doing is, is we look out at what everybody else is doing. We look out at what everybody else is blessed and all these other things. Instead of taking some inventory in our life and saying, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Right? So Jesus continues this conversation with them. Their faces are downcast. Oh. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that have happened here in the last few days? There's telling Jesus, don't you understand? Dude, don't you know what just happened here? Right? And I think it's just kind of an interesting uh, response. And Jesus responds to them and he says, what things? And they said, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, 
powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Very short-sighted. He came to save all of humanity, not just redeem Israel from the Roman government. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. Now, how many times in the Gospels do we read that Jesus said, the Son of Man is going to be killed, and three days later, he's going to rise up again from the, from the grave, right? He told his disciples that. Peter said, oh, that's not going to happen, right? These, I don't understand what that means. They thought he was speaking maybe allegorically or or they just didn't understand it. Their hearts were closed to the understanding when Jesus told them face to face on more than one occasion, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be tried, I'm going to be murdered, and three days later I'm going to be alive. And here they are, and I don't think it's an accident here that God's word says, and three days later, so if these guys were followers of Jesus, they heard him say this. Three days later, the Bible says, that all these things had happened to him. So it's Jesus says what things? about Jesus of Nazareth. Verse number 20. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. We had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's been three days since this took place. Just not even remember anything he said. In addition, some of our women amazed us. Could we say amen to that? Some of our women amazed us. I love that. They went to the tomb early this morning and they didn't find his body. So Exactly what Jesus said was going to happen, happened, and they still didn't believe. And they were describing this to Jesus, right? So the Bible tells us here uh, in verse number 24, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman said, but they didn't see Jesus. They didn't see him. And I, I think that's a significant verse to consider. Let me finish this passage. It says in verse 25, he said to them, how foolish are you? How slow are you to believe that the prophets have spoken? Did, that, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? In the end of the book of uh, John chapter 20, Thomas has this confrontation with Jesus. You know, Thomas said after Jesus was risen from the dead, well, I'm not going to believe unless I see it. Remember that story? I'm not going to believe unless I see it. So Jesus appears to Thomas, okay? And then Jesus says, Thomas, put your hand on my side, put your fingers through my hands, you know, and he says, and then, of course, Thomas makes the confession, oh, I believe you are the son of God. And Jesus says this, and this is something for you and me today, the only reason you believe is because you see. Blessed are those who, who will never see me, yet still will believe. Now, in our lifetime, unless Jesus comes back, up until this point in our lifetime, we haven't seen Jesus, but when he returns, we're going to see him someday. And if you, have a, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that you'll be saved in Romans chapter 9 and verses 9 and 10. So if you believe and you're a child of God this morning, say amen. amen. You're going to see Jesus someday face to face. But that's not going to be the day that you start to believe in him. That's going to be the day that you're confirmed in what you believe in him. Amen. So when, you, when we read the story here, he says, did the Messiah tell you? Didn't he tell you what was going to happen? So the first thing we understand about um, being stronger in the midst of defeat. When dealing with defeat, don't miss God's blessings all around you. And here's the thing. They missed it. They missed the opportunity. They missed this chance to walk down this road with Jesus. They missed this chance to be taught by him. They missed this chance to see the blessing, what was going to happen. They didn't have an understanding that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. The whole thing was just beyond them. And I wonder, what ha I wonder sometimes in our lives, when we're going through it, 
or when we're, we're in a place of misunderstanding, or when we're in a place where things just don't make sense, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have or are going through a time where things just don't make sense? Raise your hand up in the air. I don't understand. I don't understand why this has happened. I had a good buddy of mine up in, up in New England. Anthony spoke here about a month ago. And Anthony and I were talking about all the fun COVID stuff we did, right? And, and, and I said to him, I said, I, I, I'll be very honest with you, Anthony. We have not. We have not. Now, we know people that have passed. We didn't have any funerals of anybody in our church family that specifically died from COVID. And he was telling me that he had led about 40 different funerals. And, and, and we were talking about that a little bit and how, you know, the different parts of the country and the whys and all those different things. And I said, man, I'm sorry that you've gone through that. He said, you know what? It was hard at the time, but because of that, we've seen over 100 people come to accept Christ as Savior because of those folks that have gone before them. We don't know why we go through things sometimes, but when we're short-sighted, we can be very focused on the hard time, can't we? We can be very focused on that. So if we want to be stronger, here's the second thing. When dealing with defeat, see it through the lenses of Jesus' victory. Jesus told him this was going to happen. Death was part of the plan from day one. That was part of the whole plan. And if they knew the Old Testament, it's talked about in the Old Testament. Many, 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 many times by different writers of the Word of God. It's talked about as early as the book of Genesis in chapter 3 and verse number 15. It's talked a lot about in Isaiah. It's talked about in Daniel. It's talked about in the book of Psalms that he was going to come, that, that God's son was going to come, and he was going to redeem us and take away the sins of the world, and he was going to be persecuted. He was going to die. You can read through the suffering of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53, and all that he would endure for us on the cross, death was part of the plan from the very beginning. In Luke, Jesus said this in verse number 27, chapter 24, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going further. But they urged him strongly, hey, man, bro, this is great. Why don't you stay with us? Because it's almost nighttime. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he, when he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks, had communion with them. Right? If they were his followers, it's something they were, they were familiar with. He broke it and he began to give it to them. And as soon as that little ceremony started to happen... The Bible said their eyes were open, they recognized him, and right away he disappeared from their sight. When dealing with defeat, we have to learn. Now listen, this isn't, I'm not telling you that you are a weakling if you struggle with day-to-day -day battles. This dude up here struggles with day-to-day -day battles. Everybody's sitting next to you. Hey, tell somebody you're sitting next to, it's okay that you struggle. Tell them that, because they need to know that. Because I think sometimes, let me tell you what I think sometimes we perceive of other Christians, and we also perceive about church. We perceive about church that we're coming into a room with really, really super-duper mature gladiator Christians. Like, oh, they're in church, man. They are super committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I, I, listen, I'm glad you're here. If you're watching online, we're glad you're here with us this morning. But I want to tell you something. I don't want to give you too much of a shot. I'm glad you're here. I love being part of our church family. I love, I love all that happens at church. I love Sundays. But I got to tell you, being at church at 10 o'clock in the morning for one hour is not the hardest thing you're going to do this week. Is that okay to say that? And I'm not trying to take away from you being here and your faithfulness. Monday's a little harder than Sunday. Can I get an amen on that? Right? You don't have to get up 6.30 in the morning and go to church. 
oh, I've got to drag out to church. It's to, now, unless you're part of the worship team that brings your kids here, and they're running around like little banshees, and we have to clean the auditorium after worship practice because all the kids are eating donuts everywhere, that's different for them. But for all, most of us, we're, you could get up on Sunday and be at church if you live close by. Kevin, you could get up and be here on time if you woke up at 9.30. See that, right? You could, I mean, if you live close, it's not that hard. And we, and we make it a big deal. Oh, I've got to go to church today. I've got to drag myself in, right? And then when we do, we're like this. I was in church today. I'm a Christian baller, right? Like, I'm the man. I got this covered. What would you do today? I went to church, you know? And we, and we really applaud ourselves for that. But, but here's the truth of the matter. We don't see church through the eyes of sometimes, through the eyes of Jesus, where we're coming here because we're saved and we're serving, and we're surrendered, and we want to be more like Christ, do you come into church, or to sisterhood, or to your life group, or to a Bible study that you're involved with, and say, God, can you show me today how I need to be more like you? Because I know I'm messed up. Everybody in this room's messed up. We're not in here because we're good, right? Boy, that'd be a great bill to sell, wouldn't it? Hey, if you come to church, sins would be forgiven. You're going to get an instant deposit into your checking account. You're not going to be sick anymore. You're never going to get COVID. And everybody's going to like you. And you'll never have to go on a diet again. I'm, si I'm signing up for that church, right? Hey, where do I got to sign up for that thing, right? And we want that because we, want, we love the stuff. We love, we love it. We love it. When we hear the stuff about church and, and faithfulness and serving the Lord in areas where we're good. Can I tell you something? And I'm not going to preach on money this morning. Don't say amen. Don't say amen to that. When I preach on money, I've never, ever, ever, in almost 30 years of ministry, never had anybody that's a faithful tither and faithful giving above and beyond come up to me and say to me after church, you talk about that too much. People that do it are sitting there going, boom. I got this down. Like, I'm not getting my toes stepped on today. Like, people that are faithful in that area, they, the, the, the folks that get upset about it are, and, and you've heard this before, man, I go to church, the only thing they ever talk about is money, right? And I'm not going to talk about money, so relax, okay? But we get frustrated by that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God does something inside of us, and hey, man, you, this is something you need to do. And frankly, I have a disobedient spirit. Does anybody else in this room have a disobedient spirit? I don't like people telling me what to do. My wife and I had a little friendly scrum the other day, if I can say that. And Melissa was front seat, and she got to enjoy the whole thing. Uh, we were driving, and my wife kept giving me pointers. On, on, on driving, like, and, it, and it just didn't stop. And I looked over at her and I said, you know what? Before you got in the car today, I was in Richardson and I was in Plano and I drove up to Addison to see Dr. Hooten and I did this and I did this and you weren't with me and I did just fine. I didn't need your help, right? Because I didn't like her telling me what to do. Why? Because I have a disobedient spirit. I don't like being told that. I don't like people telling me, I don't like the government telling me I owe taxes, and I do. But I mean, I don't like that stuff. I don't like when I'm, I'm told, I want to do my things my way because I'm a grown man and I got it, right? No, that's not a humble spirit. 
when you come to church, right, and we're acting like I got all that, I've done all that, I've done all that, I've done all that, it's all good in the hood, I've done all that, I'm faithful. And you look at yourself and you compare yourself to others, and you, if you've been part of this church, you've heard me refer to this passage hundreds of times probably. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, trying to make ourselves look wise, you know what we look like? We look like fools. We, I'm, I'm way better than Mike. I'm, I'm way better than Laura. I'm way better than Sergio. Right? And, and we do those things, and God says, no, you're not. You're not. Because you're nothing more than a sinner, but you've been saved by what? Grace. You've been saved by grace. Death was part of the plan. Jesus said, the Bible tells, Paul said this in Romans chapter 8, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Here's the thing. In the act of breaking, these men finally recognized Jesus. And like everything that he said, it was almost an out-of-body experience. It all, it all came back and it made sense. Like everything that Jesus had talked about, everything he talked about with them on the road to Emmaus, him being there, he, he did say he was, like, like everything that he had said to them, they started to understand. And you know what's something? I think we can, man, if you're, if you're a student of the Word of God, if you read the Bible, Listen, you're not a sinner if you've never read the Bible all the way through. I would encourage you to. The book of Revelations tells us if you read the whole thing. Now, it's hard. It's a, it's a discipline thing. It's a lot of reading, right? But when you read the whole word of God, the Bible specifically talks about a blessing that comes your way because of that, right? And I'm, I'm going to tell you why I read the Bible, because I need it bad. Anybody else need it really, really bad? I need it really, really bad in my life. But... When, when, when we understand that, right, we understand these things that are in the Bible, and, and then some, something makes sense to us. Like, I'll read something in Scripture, and I'm not, like, and I'm, I'm buzzing through my reading. I'm, sometimes I read just to try to get done. But there are days that I'm reading, I'm like, wow, that really makes sense to me. And it makes sense when my eyes are open, when my heart is open, and I'm ready to what? Listen to God. So I've got to see things through the lens of Jesus. Here's number three. When dealing with defeat, this is huge, church. I, if you don't remember anything else, any other thing we're going to talk about, I want you to grab onto this point this morning, okay, because this is very significant. When dealing with defeat, don't push away from the table of faith. Pull closer. Did you hear what I said? When dealing with defeat, don't walk away from church mad at all the hypocrites that go to church. Because guess what you're sitting next to this morning? You are sitting next to and listening to a hypocrite. You say, Pastor, come on now. You don't know me. Yes, I do. You're like, that. you don't know me. I'm not, I, there's not anybody in this room that I'm better than this morning. I don't have the right to stand before you and do this. It's by God's grace. But this is a very imperfect man. Tell somebody you're sitting next to. Don't tell them you're imperfect. Tell them Ed Trinkle's imperfect. Tell them that. He's imperfect. And I don't want to hear anybody say, I told you so. Okay, don't do that. That's not nice. But here's what winds up happening. We get mad at somebody in church because life, just dumb stuff. And don't we get mad at dumb stuff sometimes? You know, we just get mad at dumb stuff. We walk away from church because somebody said or did something that frustrated us. And, and, and we let that circumstance get in the way of us doing what we're supposed to do for the Lord. These guys were in Jerusalem. Jesus died like he said he was going to. 
He was in the grave for a couple days. Three long, now, I know three days. Three days is a very long time on December 22nd if you're 10 years old. Eat Christmas, right? You're, you're, you're tracking with me, okay? Three days is a very long time to a teenager three days before the end of school, right? Three days is a very, very long time for Trinity three days before she gets married who just got engaged this weekend. Trinity! Your parents are going broke. Your parents are going broke. I tell people, you know, I introduce myself to people that, you have four daughters, yeah, and I married them, three of them in 15 months. That's the greatest way to get people to buy you dinner. I'm telling you, you, you had three weddings in 15 months? Yeah, we can go to McDonald's tonight if you want to, you know, that kind of a thing. <clears throat> but we get, we push away. Listen to what happened here in Luke chapter 24. They asked each other, they're analyzing this, 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 this walk. And they said, hey, bro, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once. They were somewhere they shouldn't have been. The Bible says they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the other 11 disciples and those with them. They assembled together and they said, it is true, the Lord has risen. And has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when they broke bread together. Don't go away from the table of faith. Don't leave church when you're getting frustrated at things in your life. Don't get mad at God when things don't make sense. You kind of need to pull up a little closer. You know. Maybe come to church at five minutes to ten instead of ten after. Come on, that was a little bit funny. Give me a break there. I know traffic's bad on Sunday morning. But... Um, <laughs> Maybe we need to get a little bit more ready for this. This is a great word that's used in our culture today. Maybe there needs to be a little bit more intentionality with our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Intentionality. You know, we read books, you know, self-help books. For me to be a better husband, I need to approach my marriage with a little more intentionality. For me to be a better father, I need to approach my kids, my relationship with them with a little more intentionality. This, it all, it's, all, it's all about this intentionality stuff, right? Maybe we need to apply that to our life when it comes to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't just let church happen on Sunday. Well, I got my friends there. It's all good in the hood, right? Don't just go to church. Be actively engaged in your communication and your relationship with Jesus Christ every day of the week so that Sunday's just like a bonus day. Because if, if this is... This is the only thing that's happening in your walk of faith on Sunday morning. You're going to be very, very hungry and almost an anemic Christian. Listen to what happened to the, to the early believers in, in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that these early believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, which is what we're doing now, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's where we're going to have communion next week. It's the first Sunday of the month. And everybody was filled with many, with many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. Listen to this statement. Don't leave a place of healing when you're in pain. I'm going to say something that's very personal this morning. And if my mother's watching online, I will get a call in about 15 minutes. My mom is a champ. She's... she's She's a lot of things. I'm not going to speak disparagingly against my mother. I wouldn't do that in public. But my mom will, the other night she had to go to the doctor. She called 911. She went into the hospital. My mom doesn't wait for the doctors to check her out. Like she's in there. She'll be doing whatever she's supposed to be. And then something comes upon her and she says, I'm done. And my 75-year-old mom who has... 
the list. She's got two pages of stuff that she deals with. She's very sickly. But just become, there comes a point to her when she's done. And, and the last time this happened, the nurse says, you, we're not finished treating you. You're not better yet. I'm done. I'm done with all this stuff. And then she'll come home and call me. Honey, I'm feeling really sick today. Mom, why did you leave the hospital? Like I have this, I have this thing about hospitals. If you ever spend any time in the hospital, I spent a few days in the hospital when I had uh, five years ago when I had a heart attack and had some stints put in and blah, 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 a couple things like that. But I've not spent, like, I've never had, like, a week's-long visit in a hospital where I could really be empathetic for somebody that's going through that. And I know some of our folks in here have, and I get it, man. We pray for you. We love you. We pray that God's presence is with you. We're praying for you. Listen, little side note, don't go to the hospital and get sick and not tell us because we want to pray for you. We don't want to make a spectacle of you, but we want to pray for you and encourage you and be there for your family. Anyway, that's a free commercial for later. But I told my mom, Mom, why would you walk away from They were going to give you medicine. They were going to give you treatment. See, my thing of the hospital is this. I don't get like, when I hear my mom's in the hospital, I'm like, oh, no, my mom's in the hospital. I'm like, good, you're getting taken care of. Like, I think it's a good thing. You got doctors coming in, nurses coming in. You're getting fed three square meals a day. You've got a great remote that you're not going to lose because it's on a loopy-loop thing, right? You can push the button, and most of the time people will come in. People are waiting on you. When, my wife, we're laughing about this. Some of our kids have done this, like, super-duper natural bathtub-in-the-house birth. My wife's like, you guys are crazy for doing that. She loved having babies. We love our kids, but she loved back when we were having babies, the three days where nurses were coming in and giving you back rubs. Oh, Mrs. Trinkle, can we take your little baby away from you so you could sleep eight hours in the back of their mind going, because you're never going to sleep that long again when you take these crumb crunchers home, right? Like, and she loved that. Oh, the hospital, man. She, she, when we had Emily, she goes, oh, man, you know what's going to happen when Emily's born? This is 25 years ago. I'm going to be in the hospital, and I'm going to be spoiled for three days straight. It's going to be great, right? Now, we're here in the household of faith. This is a house of prayer, house of worship. We come together, not to hear me, we come together to hear from Jesus because we're submitted to him and have a relationship with him, right? But when we get mad at stuff, what's, the, what's one of the first things we do? I ain't going to church. My life sucks right now. I ain't going to church. I don't like Adriano. I'm not going to church. I don't like Richard. I'm not going to church. I don't like Lindsay. Now, if you don't like Lindsay, you're a dummy because everybody likes Lindsay. But we make such poor excuses to push away from the place we need to be the most. You don't come to church because other people need to. You come to church because you, all of us, including me, we need to hear from God to be better for him, to be a better witness for him, to, to make things right with him that aren't right with him. Church, when dealing with defeat, don't push away from the table of faith. Belly up to the table a little bit, if I could say that to you this morning. Don't leave a place of healing when you're in pain. Here's number four. When dealing with defeat, I love this. When dealing with defeat, use your story for his glory, right? Use your story to help somebody else in their moment of defeat. We have Monday nights in our building, a group that meets called Alcoholics Anonymous. Last time I talked about this, I talked about a person in our church that does that, and I got rebuked afterwards. You're not supposed to say it. That's why it's anonymous. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's okay. I still love you, right? But it's a great thing. I mean, it really is a great thing. And, and you know, can I tell you what happens in, in, in AA meetings? And I've been to a bunch of them. 
Other people are encouraged by the victories that other people have. And somebody comes in, like this is day one, they're not meant to feel, they don't walk out feeling like guilty and bad because everybody's going, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. No, you know, what they have, you know how they feel? You're going to do this. Call me this week. You're going to do this. I want to encourage you. Way to go, bro. Way to be brave. Church needs to be more like that. We need to be encouraging people going through stuff. Not looking down or talk. Did you hear? Did you hear what Brian Hooten did? Man. He's crazy too, so it's probably true. But that's the way we are. That's the way Christians are. We're very, Christians are very guilty. You ready? We're very, we as a group, as a worldwide community, are very guilty at wounding our hurt people. We're hurting our wounded. Right? When you're, defe- when you're dealing with defeat, look, there's somebody in this room that's going through what you went through. There really is. Um, there's somebody in this room that could pray for you very, very different than I could. My friend David, who's one of our, one of our deacons in the church, him and his wife went through some stuff early on in their marriage that's given them a very, very tender heart towards young families that deal with some of the things that they went through when they were a young couple. Even to the point where he said to me, Pastor, don't forget, you know, don't forget. Be careful. And I'm reminded of that because they use their story for God's glory. Right? And, and I, I believe that all of us have that in us. And, and there's, listen, you might look around this room and you might think of somebody that you think is like a gladiator, you know, like the Apostle Paul type of Christian that's around you. And like, man, I just wish I was more like them. First of all, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. But here's the second thing. If you really admire and respect them, go ask for some help. If you need, can you ask for some prayer? Ask for some encouragement. You know, we, we, we need to be that for one another. Listen to what the Bible says. Paul said this in the book of Philippians. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everybody else that I'm in chains because of Jesus Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. They were all like, oh no, Paul's in jail. He's in jail, what are we going to do? Paul said, you know why I'm in jail? Because I'm a Christian. You know why I'm in jail? Because I was proclaiming the gospel. You know why I'm in jail? Because I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do. God's going to get glorified through this. And Paul's attitude when he was like in the worst place possible helped other Christians go, yeah? Well, we can do this too. Because we ain't in jail. And I'm encouraged by his words. And you read the book of Philippians, which was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in jail, is a book about joy in the Lord while he was in prison writing all that stuff to encourage you and I when we, grow through, when we go through stuff. And Paul said, all the bad stuff that happened to me, it's all good. Because you know where we are right now? We're in very temporary housing right now. I told you a couple of weeks ago that my wife and I sold our house. We're downsizing. We're living in an apartment for a little while. We're looking for a house right now. Great time to buy it. Great time to sell. Horrible time to find a house right now, right? But we, we, we just kind of threw our prayer thing out there and said, Lord, we want to do this. We know you're going to bless us. We can't wait to see it, right? Because we're living in an apartment now. And it's fine. We don't mind doing that. But we, and when, when we were living there the other day, we were, we were living there and we were talking about it the other day, 
uh, we were talking about, yeah, this is kind of cool, you know, got a little apartment now, two-bedroom, and it's really, really cool because we both have our own bathrooms and walk-in closets. Like, we don't share bathroom anymore. Like, I'm going to preach on that someday in a marriage message, how great that is not to share a bathroom, right? And then we call it temporary. And we're, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, hopefully, God's going to give us the right house to buy that we can fix up. You know what that house is going to be? Temporary. You know what this, this body is that I have? This is temporary. When I said this body that I have, did you hear my wife? She went, she just did that right now. <laughs> Stay focused, honey, okay? This is all temporary. It's all temporary. Because someday, we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. And all this stuff, listen, all this stuff that we spend our whole life worrying about, my house, my car, my stuff, my this. It's not, it's not yours. None of it is. See it through the lens of eternity. And the stuff that you've gone through, listen, if it's been bad, if you've gone through some rough, 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 rough things and you're on the other side of it, you have something to be thankful for. And maybe God allowed you to go through that so that you can help somebody else going to go through it too. See, God doesn't want you to live in defeat. I love, I love this. That's why I wanted to share this story this morning because the one thing I love about this story is they're walking away, moping away from Jerusalem. When they got their act together, they went back to where they were supposed to. They got back, got back, got back to where they once belonged, right? They went back to Jerusalem to be with their fellow believers to celebrate what Jesus did. Let's do that with church. Let's do that for each other. And let's not let, listen, Satan's a big, fat, stinking, awful liar walking around this world like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He loves when we live in defeat because here's what it does. It quiets our voice to the blessings of God to others. Don't let that happen to you. Don't surrender to defeat because he's already won. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Let's live in victory in our relationship with Christ. If you're going through stuff, let's get through it. Let's pray and ask for forgiveness. Let's get help if we need help. Don't get mad at church. Don't get mad at everybody else that you think is better than you because they're not, right? Stay close to the household of faith. Get involved in a life group. Get somebody to pray with you after church. I had something wonderful happen to me after church last week. I'm walking out of church, I'm walking out the back door, and somebody grabbed me by the arm. I don't want to call you to tell me to pray for me later. I need you to pray for me right now. I need that. How many else you need that this morning? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We come before you, and it's amazing that we could come before you. You said that we need to come before you boldly before the throne of grace. You want us to pray. You want us to fellowship. You want us to commune. You want us to live with the understanding that we're always in your presence, not just before us and beside us and behind us, but right inside of us because of your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us this morning to be obedient to your Holy Spirit. If there's a man or a woman that's going through some stuff right now and they're living in defeat, Lord, help them to latch on to other people that can be an encouragement to them, that can pray for them, that can stand with them, that can, that, that can pray with them. Lord, please help us not to get so discouraged where we just walk away from you and walk away. And Lord, that happens so much. It happens so much. We, we walk away from the place where we need the most sometimes. 
Lord, help us to be sensitive to the needs of others. Lord, if somebody comes up and wants to talk about it, help us to be intentional like we talked about it and make time and pray for and encourage and text message and call and stand with people that are going through stuff. I thank you for people that care about me and my family. I want to be that for others, Lord, and I pray that all of us can be that as well. This morning as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, we're just kind of closing out this sacred moment with the Lord right now. Simple, simple question. I'm not asking you if you're good or bad. I'm not asking if you're perfect or imperfect. I'm not asking you if you're living in this terrible, awful life. I just want to know how many of you this morning need to be encouraged and need somebody to pray for you because you don't want to live in defeat anymore. Don't even hesitate if that's true about you. Throw your hand up with me real quick. Just put it up in the air. Lord, you know every hand. You know every heart. You know the battle that's before some of these wonderful men and some of these amazing ladies. I pray that you will, Lord, intersect their lives with other people in this room, in their family, in the community of faith that can be encouraged. But I pray that they will submit to, listen to, and follow you today. We love you, and we thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say it with me. Amen. We're glad you came today.